The Theonauts, episode 119. The one where we give you 10% of an episode. No more, no less. The Theonauts Podcast. Christian news from around the globe. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is to search out a matter. Explore the vast reaches of God's Word. Hello, all you minor Italian uh, prophets. The <laughs> Italian? How did Italians... It's the Pope. It's the Malachi. It's the Malachi episode. Oh, Malachi. I get that. Okay. Minor Italian. <laughs> I didn't even get it out. Oh, man. That was horrible. Yeah. I need uh, a rewind. I need the rewind. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Hey, all you minor Italian Theo prophets. I'm David Gaddy. I'm Jeremiah Orr. And together we are the, the Theonauts. How you doing, Dave? I'm doing pretty, pretty good. We've uh, we've been up here talking for way too long. Way too long. <laughs> it's just uh, we 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 switched uh, topics at one point. Yeah. We were like, okay, let's not do this. Let's do something else. Yes, yeah. play guitar, talks about our lives. Yeah, and uh, you held know, each other accountable. Uh, yeah, held each other. That's accountable. that's good. You guys need to do that. Yeah, it's, I'm not doing it on the air. It's a smart thing, but. <laughs> We wouldn't want you to, David, after what I've heard. Whoa. That guy. Have you heard, have you heard about that David Getty? Pray for me. Yeah. Yeah, that's what you always that's how you that's how you can legally gossip, right? Yeah, we like, need to pray oh, for we him. We really need to pray Bless for him. his heart. I mean, he's, he's just full of all kinds of debauchery. He's just got sin all over his life right now. Bless his little sinning heart. He's he's just He's the devil. He's all up in he's he's in an affair right now. I mean, he might as well just live And I'm not saying this to gossip no. or anything but, like that. I just need y'all to pray for him. But I heard it was a hooker. <laughs> Bless his heart. Yeah, <laughs> we are getting way off the rails. <laughs> That's so true. Hold each other accountable. It's a good thing. Yeah, yeah. And was... David has not been in an affair with her. <laughs> that is not true. Anyways, so how you been, David? I, I'm good, man. Can we just do that again? Good. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I've been good too. So, um, thinking, what happened this week? Oh, we had some cold. Weather man, oh yeah, was what was that all about? Freezing. That that shouldn't this happen is, in Texas. This is Texas, man. And what's funny is is today is seventy degrees again. I know, beautiful. It's, it's like, in, and of course, uh, you hear this in all over the the nation when people say this. But right, the old cliche. If you don't, if like you don't the like the weather in Texas, <laughs> hang around minutes. five minutes. That's yeah, because right. man, it so was true. like, oh, uh, what? It got down to like four degrees. Yeah, like less than ten degrees. Right here in North Texas, that's unheard of. For North Texas. Yeah, the cows are out there freaking out. Yeah. What in the world? I didn't sign up for this. <laughs> That's right. Like, <laughs> but, we're in Kansas. And, <laughs> yeah. and we we had a little dusting of snow, which is probably about the bulk of what we'll get this year. Yeah, we listened to Christmas carols in the classroom when that was happening. Did you really? Yeah. <laughs> Rewind it. Go back to Christmas. We wanted to be back to Christmas. Everyone's, everyone's work and school got canceled because we don't know what to do when it snows. <laughs> right. And there was nothing on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> 
It's like, oh no, how are we going to get home? Snow again. Oh man. Uh, Centimeters on the ground. Melanie grew up in Durango, Colorado, (laughs) and she always just laughs at all this. She's like, really? Come on. This is not snow. (laughs) I know. It's hilarious. I grew up in Kansas, and we had basically the same response. But but you know, to to be kind of equitable here, we don't have snow plows that just pop up and, and clean up the roads. We don't have right. chains everyone has in their we back of their truck. We are not prepared for this. We aren't prepared for this. That's right. And have you seen the traffic in Dallas? People <laughs> are crazy. Throw, that is very true. You throw ice in the mix around oh, here and horrible. people are in the ditch. That's right. It's crazy. Yeah. So anyway, nuts. Fun week. Yeah, it was a good week. It's, you know, back to the daily grind. We started back to school this week. Yeah, it's summer again. Yeah. I can't wait, man. I'm counting down the days till summer. But yeah, you and your school. teacher schedule. Yeah, that's crazy. All right, well you want to just jump right into this thing? Let's Malachi it up. So this topic comes uh, from a suggestion of uh, one of our Theonauts very own, Riley Neal. Yeah. Who wanted us to do some uh, more, uh, you know, exegete. He wanted us to... No, no. So he and I had this conversation. Oh, did he? wants us to exposit more. Oh, did I say exegete? Yeah. And I I was telling him, you can exegete in a topical way. Yes. (laughs) So there's a difference. Oh, yeah. So... He wanted us to be more expository in our approach for some of these episodes. Yeah. And so we <clears throat> settled on a minor prophet, and we're going to... Yeah, it's two birds with one stone, because we had someone suggest we do some minor prophets. Right. And that's kind of what we were talking about before the show, is, well, you know, these are all little bitty nuggets of information, and right. some of them are kind of not a lot being said. In I mean, them. we could barely make a show out of some of them. <clears throat> yeah, so it was, it was like, okay, should we just do an overview of minor prophets and talk about the time frames and who wrote them and when and all that. And uh, we may get around to that. I don't know. But since we both had read Malachi, because we had decided, let's do the last one. It's got some uh, apocalyptic language in it. and Well, and Malachi's kind of an inter- interesting one for a couple of reasons. Because he's Italian. Yeah, he's Italian. No, a couple of, of good debates. Mm-hmm. Uh, come out of Malachi. One will hit. Uh, you know what? What is Malachi talking about with the whole? Who is Malachi? Right. Who is Malachi? <laughs> That's another debate because it's kind of like what? Well, there's uh, a lot of unknowns about this book. That's right. the The actual date is not nailed down, although we can ascertain by some of the language. Yeah. When it's taking place. Right. So do you want to start there and talk about the date and the occasion? Well, I tell you what, let's start the very first verse there. Okay. It says, what what version is this? I, NLT. I pulled up the KJV. I'm, I'm doing, well, you can hang on to that here in a minute. Okay. But this is the, the way. Nice. NLT. Uh, NLT. And it says, <clears throat> this is the message that the Lord gave to Israel through the prophet Malachi. I have loved, I've always loved you, said the Lord, but you retort, really? Have you loved us? (laughs) And the Lord replies, this is how I show my love for you. I love your ancestor Jacob, but I rejected his brother Esau and devastated his hill country. I turned Esau's inheritance into a desert for jackals. 
Esau's descendants in Edom may say, we have been shattered, but we will rebuild the ruins. But the Lord of heaven's armies reply, they may try to rebuild, but I will demolish them again. Okay, so I'm just go ahead and stop there. So yes. this is starting into his his rant, his tirade. Yeah, he's the whole book is really kind of a <laughs> it's tirade. one big tirade. It's, the book reminds me of like my mother getting on to me for leaving, yes. you know, leaving the toilet seat up and yeah. and like not. I do this because like this is gonna hurt you more than it hurts me, right? <laughs> you heard your dad say that. Well, I love I love the king, and they're like really. Yeah. <laughs> I love how the KJV states the first verse. Okay, go for it. The burden of the word of the Lord to Israel <laughs> by Malachi. Nice. <laughs> so this word, let's talk about the word Malachi. Yeah. The word Malachi. Maliki. We don't really know if that's a formal name, a proper name, or if it's a title, because it means, in the Hebrew language... Messenger. My messenger. Right. And so you could read that first verse. This is the message that the Lord gave to Israel through the prophet, his messenger. Right. Some people actually think because of its occasion, uh, mm-hmm. where when a lot of people think it was written, it could have been Ezra, it could have been Nehemiah. Right, right. Or There's it, a lot of similarities. Right. Um, in, it could have been Mordecai. <clears throat> From the Pernim. The temple definitely existed here. Yes. Okay, so that's why one of the reasons why we're placing it in the time frame of Ezra and Nehemiah. And we probably don't have a lot of time to go back and give you a full-blown history of the nation of Israel here. Right. But, uh, but suffice it to say, after Daniel's reign, or Daniel's time, in with Babylon and with Persia, right. he gets the king to agree to uh, let the children of Israel go back out of bondage and mm-hmm. back out of exile into uh, Jerusalem and rebuild the temple. They get rebuild, to re-inhabit their land. And yeah. rebuild the wall. And there's a lot of drama that happens. There's a lot of locals. Uh, the This is part of why there's all this bad blood between Samaria. They have to hold a spear in <laughs> one hand and build yes. the temple in the yeah, other. Yeah, it's a big messy thing. Read Ezra, wall. read Nehemiah. You'll get the gist Great of it. Great stories. So yeah. so anyway, all this is happening. They're rebuilding the, te- the temple that had been destroyed by the Babylonians. Right. And so this seems to be taking place right after... The construction of that temples restored. So everyone is getting their their ducks in a row. Yeah, the priests are back in business. Everyone is like doing their thing again. They're learning how to become Jews again. But basically. there appears to be a heart problem. Right, like they're they're not in it wholeheartedly. By the time that Malachi is is giving his message, which is the reason Malachi is going <clears throat> on this rant. Yeah. So other um, people have thought Malachi might've been part of the, uh, Ashini Kehizet Hagdola. Yeah. I've been holding that for a long time. Yeah. yeah no, I, I don't know. What are, what are you talking about? It's an assembly of 120 <laughs> prophets and sages who com- uh, comprise the ultimate authority in Judaism from the fourth century BC. Uh, they met in the, oh, okay, cool. uh, in the second temple era. So you might have been a, one of the members of that yeah. group, um, which actually uh, Ezra and Nehemiah were both members of that. So yeah. that doesn't rule that out. Uh, some people, Malachi, uh, what's the last name? I forget, Malachi something. But anyways, you know, the honest answer is we don't know who Malachi was. Yeah, there is another a similar name in Scripture, and I can't remember exactly where it is. I ran across this the other day. It's Malachiah. And some people think that it might be the same person. Right. Um, but anyway, here's one cool thing I thought about this. 
uh, if we look at, I'm going to jump ahead to chapter three right quick. Okay. In the very first verse of chapter three, he yeah. says, look, I am sending my messenger and he will prepare the way before me. Now he's talking about Jesus. Uh, well, or John the Baptist. Oh, John the Baptist. I'm sorry. So yeah. That's so right. he, so my he's, bad. he's, he's prophesying because yeah, yeah, yeah. when we get to John the Baptist, he actually affirms mm-hmm. this is who I am. Right. But, um, so the, here's the cool thing though. The language, there's a play on words going on here. Yeah. In the Hebrew, it basically says, look, I am sending Malachi and he will prepare. This is, it's a play on words. Malachi means my messenger. Right. So that's the original language, only it's not used as a proper name here. It's used used as a messenger. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, that was cool. It's very interesting, you know, and that's... (laughs) That's one of the reasons why most people think that Malachi, not most people, a lot of people think that Malachi wasn't an actual person, but a messenger. Uh, title. Title. Hey, technically, if you want to be out there, this could be an angel. Mm. Angels are messengers. That's right. I don't know. I just came up with that. Maybe maybe this is the only book <laughs> in the entire Bible that's written by a messenger. <laughs> An angel. I, I doubt I, it. I kinda, Seriously, I doubt that. <laughs> Just saying. But anyways. We could start something. No. We totally could. So, okay, so the date, we're guessing 450, 460 BC. Let me go knocking on doors. Excuse me. Have you heard have about Have you heard Malachi? about the, the My Messenger? <laughs> my Messenger Malachi. <clears throat> Sorry, anyways. Go ahead. So, yes, date. We're thinking that it's, it's dated somewhere around 450, 460. Four, 460 is where... Where most people land, yeah. I guess. Which which puts it in that uh, right after the Ezra Nehemiah right. time frame. And it also um, is chronologically placed in the Old Testament then. because Well, some people I saw date Joel even later than I don't, Malachi. I don't get how they do that. But... I also saw one source that dated Joel before any of the minor prophets, <laughs> like even before he's in the Elijah time frame. Right. So who knows? Uh, there's some of these are hard to date. Yeah. So uh, I think a lot of them are, especially the minor prophets. Yeah. So if Malachi very difficult because they're all squeezed in there. If Malachi was written in this 450 time frame, that makes it really the last uh, canonized. Which to me is is no mere quinky dink that this is the last of the minor prophets or the last book in the Old Testament to be canonized be- mm-hmm. because of its subject uh, matter and especially chapter four. Yeah, which is very how, short and yeah, to the point. To the point, and how the Old Testament closes mm-hmm. with this this <clears throat> idea of the Messiah. Yeah, so, and well, and plus this enters into our four hundred years of silence. silence. Between Malachi and Matthew. <laughs> yeah, go back and listen to our intertestimal period uh, Theonauts episode for, right. the, for more on that. <laughs> it was anything but silent. All right, so what is Malachi writing about? Uh, we read the first couple of verses where Malachi establishes that God loved the people. I've always loved you. Yeah, he's always loved them. Even when they were tricksters like Jacob, right? Mm-hmm. Jacob, if I love, but Esau, if I hated, are are completely disobedient to the point that uh, Jerusalem gets destroyed, right? Like uh, Jehoiachin, right? So yeah, all all this disobedience right. that, that precluded this. Sure. So if I were to divide to divide Malachi up um, into parts, I guess I guess. 
it would really go chapter one, one through five, God establishes uh, the truth that he has always and will always love his people. Yes. Uh, and then we go right into the chastisement from mm-hmm. there on out. And uh, chapter one, verse around verse six to two, verse nine, uh, the priests really hardcore on the priests who are being idiots. Um, and then chapter two, verse 10 through 315, which David and I had some interesting conversation about. It holds the whole tithing verse in it. Yeah, yeah, we'll get to hold all that here. Where everybody's being idiots, uh, <laughs> the people and their treachery, right? Yeah. And then verse <clears throat> chapter 3, starting in verse 16, all the way through the end of chapter 4. Which repent! Is six verses is repent, basically. Yes. Either repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's right. And it's the promises of God. God is promising mm-hmm. that these things are going to take place. Right. Yeah. So, anyways, that's that's basically an overview. So let's look at uh, we've seen God's love, uh, right? Let's look a little bit at the priest's perversion. Well, first off, oh, okay. He kind of he kind of talks about there in in verses in one verses six through fourteen mm-hmm. the general. Um, oh yeah. The 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 general gist that people had like these unworthy sacrifices. Yeah. Um. I forgot about so, that. So let's see. Uh, one of the things that we that we're kind of thinking here is that Israel had gotten to the place where okay, they were comfortable again. They're getting comfortable yeah. again. They're back in their land. They're back in their temple. And but it's just following the list of things they've got to do, and they're really not all that heart, wholehearted about it. Right. Um, <clears throat> let's look at at what it says here. Um, so. It says, the Lord of heaven's armies say the priest, a son honors his father and a servant respects his master. If I am your father and master, where are the honor and respect I deserve? You have shown contempt for my name. Um, and of course, there's Malachi is full of these questions and answer, answers. Like he's, right. he poses his own rhetorical questions. Yes. And then answers. He's the king of rhetorical questions in the Bible. <laughs> where have you done this? Well, let me tell you. It's, Right here. You may ask. <laughs> yeah, you asked this. How have you ever shown contempt for your... How have we ever shown contempt for your name? Right. Well, you have shown contempt by offering defiled sacrifices on my altar. And you may ask, how have we defiled your sacrifices? This sounds like the talking heads. <laughs> you may ask yourself, how have I offered sacrifices? You may you find You may tell yourself, <laughs> how did I get here? <laughs> Watching the days go by. <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah. All right, getting back into it. Oh, so sorry. he's he's talking, and again, uh, he addresses the priests specifically right mm-hmm. here in in verse six. But what he says is, "You have offered polluted food upon my altar. How have we polluted you? You have offered blind animals in sacrifice. Oh, that's messed right? up. Is yeah. that evil? And you offer those who are lame or sick. Is that not evil?" Present that to your governor. Will he accept you and show you favor, says the Lord of hosts? So I'm seeing actually a double standard here played out by the Israelites, which mm-hmm. actually would make sense because of the time frame, because they had just come back from being in captivity, yeah. right? Yeah. Where they'd been giving their tithes and their offerings to that government. Yeah, to Artaxerxes and company. The right. Persians. To the Persians. They had to pay their taxes, just mm-hmm. like we have to pay our taxes. That's what they did. And so whenever they're re 
they rebuild the temple and they set up the temple practices and the sacrifices again. They they start doing that. And they're practicing it the same way. Right. They're practicing it the same way they would, you know, give to Yeah. Well, even worse, because he's saying the government wouldn't even wouldn't accept even this. Accept. So the stuff you're giving me is the worst of the worst of the worst. And that's not what God demanded yes. in it was Leviticus. the other way around. It was the other, yeah, the best of the best, so, the choice. Yeah, so going back to, uh, like, for example, the Passover lamb. Passover lamb had to be, like, raised in your home, for crying out loud. I mean, it had to be a pet. It had to right. be something you loved. It had to be pure and, and without spot, without blemish. And their earth, uh, handing out... Uh, blind lambs. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, what? Come on. You're saving the best for yourself. Mm. Which is, this is an ongoing theme. Right. In his condemnation of them. I mean, he, God <laughs> hates it according to Malachi. Verse 10, Oh, that there will be one among you who would just shut the doors, that you might not <laughs> kindle fire on my altar in vain. I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts, and I will not accept an offering from your hand. Yeah. And so, you know, this is not about worshiping correctly. This is not about uh, that. It's about the heart. This is a heart issue. Right. This is this is the people aren't giving God their heart. Right. They're giving him lame and halt animals. Right. So. And and the other point is, is who deserves our are sacrificed more than God because God is God. He mm-hmm. demands glory. Mm-hmm. Verse uh, 11, for from the rising of the sun to its setting, my name will be great among the nations and every place incense will be offered to my name and a pure offering for I, my name will be great among the nations says the Lord of hosts. He repeats it twice. Mm-hmm. Um, so the point of these offerings was number one, to show uh, the greatness of God. Right? Right. And and the people's hearts towards God. And so the people's hearts had become cold and callous and disdained him, basically. Uh, so. Well, and you think about it in terms of modern day. This is, there's a lot of, of Christians that still do this. Like, this is still, I mean, it's like, there's a lot of these, uh, of people who claim Christianity and feel like they're in a saved condition because they raised their hand and said a prayer at some point, but they've really not turned to him in any real way. And this, and they may even be showing up at church or whatever, and you know, taking up a pew or right. or or whatever, or even putting money in the plate or whatever that they think is required of them, or at least the minimum that they can get by with. Yeah, but their heart's not into this. They're yeah. like they're not acknowledging God as sovereign in their life. Yeah. Like like being the king of their life. And And I th- that's the thing he's <clears throat> he's he's quoting so many times. Um Sorry, my computer wanted to restart, and I'm like, no, because that's all my internet. Okay. <laughs> Microsoft saying hey it's timed up. There. Right. Stupid Microsoft. Okay. Yeah. Uh the very last verse in this chapter, for I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name will be feared among the nations. And basically what he's saying it's is... To demand. Yeah. I'm I'm supposed to be the most important thing in your life. Mm-hmm. You know, I am supposed to th- be the thing that, that, that you surrender to. 
Yeah. And How yet, will the nations fear me if if I can't even keep you my, in check? My own people, who I've loved from the beginning, right, right, won't even sacrifice correctly. <clears throat> Um, verse 14, cursed be the cheat who has a male in his flock, vows it, yet sacrifice the Lord what is blemished. Read female. Anyways, <laughs> I'm joking. Total joke. Total joke. But uh, you get the idea. The picture here is, you know, they're being basically half-hearted in everything they're doing. Mm-hmm. And man, the church today, I think a lot of it's in the same state. Yeah. Well, I mean, we, you and I were talking about this beforehand, uh, this great article that, that we were looking at that talks about six disruptive things in 2017. That's always the cool thing to do, right? Right, yeah, is, sure. This is going to be disrupt, Give a list. disruptive things yeah. that are going to... The, the whole church is going to change. But right. anyway, there's some good stuff in there. And the number one on the list was... We're going to stop being consumers. Right. Like, like the consumer church is, is going to be a thing of the past. That's where we should be heading. And so what do we mean by that? That's, that means instead of being focused on what the church can do for you right, and what you can get out of it, instead turn the tables on that and be, what can I, how can I contribute? How can I be a part of loving people and serving people and being a part of community here? And so that, that just really hit home with me. I thought that that was a, a, a great message because I've talked to so many people that are quote unquote church hopping or whatever, or haven't settled on a place or they're disenfranchised with a church or whatever. And it's like, well, you know, they're just not meeting my needs. <laughs> it's um, because the church is all about you, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, that's kind of the mindset we're looking at here, right? Right. I mean, pe- people are not looking at what they can give. They're looking at what they can get. Yeah. And especially even the, the leaders of the church right here, or the leaders of the of the, uh, of the Jewish community, the priests. Yeah, he is he's hitting hard on the priests, and he's going to do that even worse in chapter two here when he talks about Levi. Mm-hmm. He reminds them of Levi, right? Right? He's like, "You guys, you're nothing like my real, you know, my priest." Yeah, yeah. Um, so chapter two, verse one. Let's keep going. Okay. And now, O priest, this commandment is for you. If you will not listen, if you will not take it to heart, and give honor my name, says the Lord of hosts, then I will send the curse upon you, and I will curse your blessings. Indeed, I have already cursed them, because you do not lay it to heart. Behold, I will rebuke your offspring and spread dung on your faces. <laughs> and the dung, the dung nah, of your offsprings, nah. and you shall be taken away from it. Uh, nobody ever reads the that. The Bible is so colorful. <laughs> I know. It's so great. You know, I, you know what I love about God? He's so direct, man. Yeah. I'm going to spread this, dung on your face. This is not, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is not like politically correct, right? Yeah. <laughs> So shall you know that I have sent this commandment to you, that my covenant with Levi Levi may stand, says the Lord of hosts. My covenant with him was one of life and peace, and I gave gave them to him. It was a covenant of fear, and he feared me. He stood in awe of my name. True instruction was in his mouth, and no wrong was found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and uprightness, and he turned many from iniquity. For the lips of a priest should guard knowledge. People should seek instruction from his mouth, for he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. But you have turned aside from the way. You have caused many to stumble by your instruction. 
You have corrupted the covenant of Levi, says the Lord of hosts, and so I make you despised and abased before all the people. Inasmuch as you do not keep my ways, but show partiality in your instruction. You know, when you look at history, they didn't heed these words at all. No, it went the other way. Yeah. Largely. Well, and that's where we're going to get to chapter four, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, because, you know, um, remember, going back, this is great that we're doing this, like, in conjunction kind of with that intertestimal uh, study we did, because what happened in there? The, the Greeks took over and and basically divided this up into little, you know, four major states, and uh, they had to revolt. Right. Like, that could even be... Sp- perceived as part of this judgment that came upon them. Right. But they re- they revolted against the Seleucids and all that. And whenever they whenever they finally got it back and they set up their own kingdom again with these Hasmonean kings and all that sort of stuff, what happened? They did it again. He started getting the Pharisees and the Sadducees out of that deal. Right. And, and people that were that were morally corrupt like as Jesus says in, in Matthew twenty three about them that right. they, they were like whited sepulchers. They looked great, whitewashed they, tombs. They they looked like they yeah. were you know perfect, but inside it was just dead, yeah. full of filthiness. You know, I use the the picture of the <clears throat> Taj Mahal when I think of that. It's one of the seven wonders of the world. It's one of the most beautiful buildings ever built, mm-hmm. known to man. Mm-hmm. Period. It's gorgeous, but what is it? All it is is a tomb. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what this was. Yeah. You know, it was. It, it looked good. They were trying to look good on the outside, but they weren't. And I, I think there's a lot that we can heed to in the church today with that. Yeah, that whole looking good when when. Oh, dude, we're we're consumed by that. Yeah, I mean, everybody's like, uh, you know, you even hear sermons about being a good Christian and how to be a better Christian and all that sort of stuff. And so people are like, well, I want to be a good Christian. And so I want everyone to know I'm a good Christian. And you don't have accountability because no one wants to confess to one another. Right. Because it's like, well, then that, then like, I'll know I'm not a good Christian. Yeah. You know, there's no such thing as a good Christian, by the way, getting real. (laughs) Yeah. Amen to that. Getting real is half the battle for these priests, right? Yeah. It's half the battle for our preachers getting real. Right. Right. I mean, whenever you look up there and you see this guy in a three-piece suit pointing his finger at you, telling you how you should live your life, mm. but he looks perfect. Yeah. It's like, man, I wish I had it together like him, but I don't, so I guess I'm just going to have to drop out of the church. Right. And there's so many people that have done that, that, that they've, they've forsaken uh, God because of yeah. his followers. Right. So you know these these priests they were doing the same thing they were they were teaching false teaching uh, obviously uh, they they weren't doing good instruction to the people and they weren't being leading by example and because of that J- Judah's just as me- I mean the rest of Israel is just as messed up um, if you keep reading on right around here is where God switches his tirade at the priests and starts yelling at the people. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, and uh, it's it's pretty harsh. Have we not all one Father? Has not one God created us? Why then are we faithless to one another, profaning the covenant of our fathers? Judah has been faithless, and an abomination has been committed in Israel and in Jerusalem. For Judah has profaned the sanctuary of the Lord, which he loves, and has married the daughter of foreign god of a foreign god. 
May the Lord cut off the tents of Jacob, any descendant of the man who does this, who brings an offering to the Lord of hosts. And, you know, just a sidebar comment on this. God isn't talking about this simply because he's being racist or anything like that. No. I mean, God is talking about it's it's not necessarily the, the women they're marrying, but who those women serve. Right. It uh those it, it says here um the men of Judah defiled the Lord's beloved sanctuary by marrying women who worship idols. Yeah. So that's that's it, it's it's about bringing that corruption into your life. You're bringing idolatry and paganism, and it's getting mixed in with God's law, and, right? And his and he's a jealous God. Uh, very first commandment, right? <laughs> right. But and not not only that, this, this whole book has been about his his deserving to be the king of our hearts, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and the fact that we would bring anything else in. But this is the same thing we do. Again, we can relate this to a reality of where we are in America, especially mm. as a church. We're just as perverted in our in our church. Yeah, we practices. bring idolatry right into our living rooms. That's, that's the truth. <laughs> it's crazy. This is the second thing you do. So that was the first thing. This is the second thing you do. You cover the Lord's altar with tears, with weeping and groaning, because he no longer regards the offering or accepts it with favor from your hand. But you say, why does he not? <laughs> because <laughs> I'll the, tell you why. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because the Lord has witnessed between you and the wife of your youth to whom you have been faithless, though she is your companion and your wife by covenant. Didn't he not make them one mm-hmm. with a portion of the spirit in their union? And what was one God, the one God seeking, godly offspring? So guard yourselves in your spirit, and let none of you be faithless to the wife of your youth. For a man who does not love his wife but divorces her, says the Lord, the God of Israel covers his garments with violence, says the Lord of hosts. So guard yourselves in your spirit and do not be faithless. Another big problem that they were doing was running off. Yeah. Right, not not sticking with their woman. Exactly, um, not being one woman man, men, and uh, that that was a big deal, um, especially during this time. So, uh, God didn't like that. Yeah, and you know, having having served in uh, places in the world where this is also rampant. Yes, <clears throat> one of the things you witness out of this deal uh, is actually working with uh, some missionaries who live in. Um, the Dominican Republic, and this is a big issue in in that country, uh, at least in the poorer areas. There, there's a lot of the the guys just don't hang around, right? right? They, it's a woman to woman type of th- they just bounce yeah. around, and the, and so what happens in that environment is you've got a bunch of women raising people with no fathers, yeah. like all over the place, and so people grow up without a concept of a father, mm. and if you don't have a concept of what a father is. It's hard to get a concept of what a God is, because God's a Father, right? right. And so, I've, I've heard missionaries actually uh, relay stories to me where people have said, "I don't understand that type of relationship that you're trying to tell me about." The only Father thing I know is missing in action. Yeah. And so, why would I expect God to be there for me? And so, it, this is a direct reflection on God's uh, character, right? right? That's why he's taken such great offense to this. Not only is it disobedient to his commands to them, 
but it also steals his glory because people lose sight of what fatherhood is. Yeah. And so they don't know what God is. Right. And that, you know, uh, if you look at verse 15, did he not make them one with a portion of the spirit in their union? And was, uh, and what was the one God seeking godly offspring? One of the commandments, be fruitful and multiply. It was the first commandment, right? Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. Godly offspring. If you look in our prison system today, the portion of men who are in there without a father that didn't have a father figure is Mm -hmm. stunning. It's unbelievable. It's the overall the majority mm-hmm. who didn't have a father figure, and that's that's the biggest the biggest problem with uh, with the the traditional home today is fathers running off. Yeah, and so exactly <laughs> the same thing is happening here, and God is not pleased with it. Okay, we keep going. Verse seventeen: You have wearied the Lord with your words, but you say, "How have we wearied him?" <laughs> By saying, everyone who do, does evil is good in the sight of the Lord, and he delights in them. Or by asking, where is the God of justice? <laughs> Those are two very contradictory statements. Yeah. Okay? Where is the God of justice? So whenever you're wrong, you ask, where is the God of justice? Yeah, yeah. But then when you are doing the wrong, you <laughs> say, oh, well, God honors, you know, <laughs> he he." Everyone who does evil uh, is it's okay. Good. It's yeah, okay. It's all good. Yeah, right? <laughs> exactly. And well, you, and you, and once again, this is nothing new under the sun here. Right. <clears throat> we have a lot uh, this type of mentality, right? Everyone wants to know where God is and during the tough times, but where are you in the good times? Right. You know, are you are you honoring God? Yeah. Whenever He's you know there for you. Right. Or he's only there, he's he's supposed to be there when you have a hard time, and that's it. <clears throat> so, and then, uh, hold on. Chapter 3. Yes, you want to take this? Okay, so here there is some prophetic stuff that's, that's about to start happening here. And uh, actually, there's some really cool ties between Malachi and John the Baptist. Yes. And uh, it's really, it's, it's really pretty cool. Sometime, uh, we don't have a lot of time during this study to talk a lot about it, but go and look at, just just decide to, to go through the Gospels and read the sermons of John the Baptist. What he says. Dude, it's almost right ver- word for word out of Malachi. Right. It's so cool. Uh, so verse one, which we read a while ago, but it says, look, I'm sending my messenger, and he will prepare the way uh, before me, which I think is really cool because God in three persons here kind of talking. What Who is John the Baptist preparing the way for? Right. <clears throat> he says, so he will prepare the way before me. Then the Lord you are seeking will suddenly come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you look for so eagerly is surely coming says the Lord of heaven's armies. But who will be able to endure it when he comes? Who will be able to stand and face him when he appears? Mm. For he will be like a blazing fire that refines metal or like a strong soap that bleaches clothes. He will sit like a refiner of silver, burning away the dross. He will purify the Levites, refining them like gold and silver, so that they may once again offer acceptable sacrifices to the Lord. 
Then once more the Lord will accept the offerings brought to him by the people of Judah and Jerusalem as he did in the past. At that time, I will put you on trial. I am eager to witness against all sorcerers and adulterers and liars. I will speak against those who cheat employees of their wages, who oppress widows and orphans, or who deprive the foreigners living among you of justice. For these people do not fear me, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Wow. Now let's stop and think for a minute. What did Jesus encounter when he got here? Dude, he he encountered this type of mentality, right? Right. What did he? He had to to go into the temple and start running people out of there. Okay, so and he states <clears throat> so many times, "I've come to bring uh, not peace but a sword." Yes, yes. Right. And and so um, th- there's this this uh, this parallel happening. Yeah. Okay, so let's look at what was one of the things God had such issue with in chapter one. It was the the offerings. Yes. They're not pure. pure. They're not okay, so you know what the by the time Jesus gets to the temple, part you know what drove Jesus to get so angry? Was not just the fact that they were selling animals in the marketplace. There's a story behind that. Right. What was happening was the the priest had become so corrupt that okay, once again, Passover lambs had to be Without sure. spot, without blemish, had to be clean, and you had to come and present it to the priest. Priest had to accept it. Right now, what had happened is it got to the point where none of the priests would accept anything. Like no matter how clean it was, they would find the smallest imperfection and right. they would reject it. And then they would say, "But you know what? Right over here in this pen, I happen to have a whole group of little lambs that you can purchase one right. from the priesthood." And you will then have an acceptable sacrifice. sacrifice. So you see, when when Jesus gets all mad, he's like, you've turned my house into a den of thieves. This is what he's so irate about, is is this corrupt commercialism that has taken over what was supposed to be a love offering from your home. And so... This is exactly what. Look at what it says here. He's going to judge. He's going to judge people that are, are are oppressing their employees and people. This commercialism type of mentality of personal gain became so rampant, and it ran all the way up. I mean, if you start reading some of um, Josephus, yeah, dude, it got really messy all the way up into the time Jerusalem was destroyed. Around eighty seventy. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, yeah, and if you want to go, you look at this language and uh, the parallel with Jesus talking, Matthew 25, 31 through 46. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. Uh, before him, the nation will be gathered and he will separate them from one from another, from a shepherd, like a separate, separate sheep from goats. Mm-hmm. That whole judgment thing. And then you have the passage... That talks about uh, the ones where he says, "Come, because when I was naked, you clothed me. When I was hungry, you fed yeah, me. Yeah. When did we do that? Anything you've done to the least of these, the whole least of these passage mm-hmm. is a direct pe- parallel to to what you've just read in Malachi. Yeah, where he talks about, I am eager 
mm-hmm. to sit in judgment <laughs> over this. Right. Because I am going to separate the ones who take care, right, mm-hmm. of the widow and the fatherless, right, against the one who thrusts aside the sojourner, the, the traveler, right? Right. And do not fear me. And, and, and there's all kinds of language here that is like very, very, like, okay, he's talking about coming in fire and coming in, in judgment. Silver and gold will b- melt away. Right. To give you a little a history on, for example, this, a lot of this here being fulfilled at the time of the destruction of Jerusalem, whenever the temple was destroyed, you know, Jesus had said, there won't be one stone left upon another. Right. When this happens. And that's literally what happened. Like literally, the the temple was it was huge. The Herodian temple was huge and ornate and full of gold and full and all this. Right. And the intention of Rome wasn't to destroy the temple, but one errant Roman threw a torch through the window of the holy place and all the tapestries and all that caught, caught on fire, fire. Yeah. and it got so hot in there it became like an a, an oven, oven. Mm-hmm. and it started baking everything and all the gold and the silver and everything that was inside there just like it says here literally melted yeah and it melted into the mortar and into the bricks themselves and when all of the siege was over rome the romans decided it's a shame to let all that gold and silver go to waste. So they deconstructed the temple stone by stone right. to retrieve the wealth that was left inside of it. Yeah. And that is why the the prophecy of Jesus actually came true verbatim. Yeah. And if you go to um, Jerusalem today, there's excavations that have happened along the Wailing Wall, the Western Wall, and they've uncovered stones of the temple piled at the base of because they pushed them off the temple mount right they just they took the stones these huge one ton stones pushed them off off the 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 temple mount and they're all piled up there still it's amazing it's crazy uh i want to go back to malachi 3 1 okay uh real quick and that prophecy of john the baptist because i don't think we hit a couple of of interesting verses there okay go ahead so uh malachi again malachi 3 Three one says, "Behold, I send my messenger. He will prepare the way before me." Um, now that's talking again about John the Baptist and some of the ways we we can know that. Uh, this is actually a parallel verse from Isaiah forty, right? Mm-hmm. Three through five that says, "A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord." Yes, and then Malachi says, "I'm sending this person to prepare." Uh, for me, and again, this is the very last book in the Old Testament. Just yeah. <laughs> kind of cool, but uh, that just gets me excited. I love thinking about that. But then uh, Luke one seventeen, he will be- go before him in the spirit and the power. And this is talking of John the Baptist mm-hmm. of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers of the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, and to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. So this is John the Baptist who comes before Jesus, right? Yeah. Then you have. 727, who's talking specifically about John the Baptist, the fulfillment of the prophecy. This is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messengers before your face who will prepare your way before you. Mm -hmm. So this is the correlation, John the Baptist and then Jesus who comes and judges. Yes. This is part of the the stuff that really makes the Bible cool because 
if if you really do your homework, you'll realize that the books of the Gospels were written hundreds of years yes. after this. Right. Right? It's amazing. <clears throat> and they they mirror this like Exactly. So well. Yeah. Like like what actually happened was foretold hundreds of years prior. Right. So cool. Awesome. All right, so let's look at <laughs> verse 6, because we're going to get into a controversial passage here. Let's do it. Yeah. For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. I love that. He's hearkening back to the first chapter and mm-hmm. first verse of Malachi, which says, I've loved you, and I promise to love you. The only reason you're not consumed right now is because I don't change. Yeah. It's great. From the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me. I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions, you are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. I will not open the windows of heaven for you uh, and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. I will rebuke and devour you uh for I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fr- fruits of your soil and your vine in the field shall not fail to be to bear said the lord of hosts then all nations will call you blessed for you will be a land of delight says the lord of hosts okay so this whole thing usually whenever i've heard this read the only time i've heard it read is the once a year Sermon <laughs> where the pastor has to cover tithes and offerings. He's got to make his because budget. yeah, his budget's not connecting, <laughs> and so he covers this tithe. And it's this whole idea of the New Testament church should follow this law yeah. of the Old Testament and give ten percent, no more, no less. Yeah, yeah. What is it, the full tithe. Well, that's ten percent, and you know I'm not mocking this because I grew up in it. Yeah. I understand this concept because I was taught from when I was little, Jeremiah, whenever you get your check, put 10%, 10% back. Yeah. That's right. And that's that top 10% is what you're going to give on Sunday and the rest you live off of or save. You know, well, I think there's a couple of things going on in here. First off, you do have the fact that these people were neglecting the command right. that they had to tithe. Uh, but I do think there is a parallel to giving, sure that the, that the church needs to to adhere to, right? But not from a legal law keeping standpoint, well, you've which is how it's usually uh, uh, pitched, right? Exactly. The law is abolished. Go back and listen yeah, to yeah, yeah. our. Uh, We've got an episode on that. Yeah, we do. <laughs> I can't remember the number. <laughs> Me neither. Listen to one of our episodes on the law, but law uh, and liberty, I think, is what it's called. The reality is, is that's not, in fact, what you're doing is you're constraining yourself. Well, and here's a lot, one of the things that a lot of people don't take in consideration. People gave a lot more than 10% under the old law. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's the, that was 10% was, there was 10% here, there was 10% there, there was 10% here. You had to give 10% of the, of your flock. Right. You had to give 10% of your grain. Right. Like, like the, this wasn't just 
um, like what we do, where you take your your paycheck and you figure ten percent. They didn't ma- have that back then. No. So uh, and here's a, here's part of the reasons why, because the Levites had no other function. Right. They didn't make. They didn't have lands. They didn't have cattle. They didn't have. They they didn't have anything. They were their job was to take care of the temple. Yeah. Period. And they lived off of the grain that was gathered it by the tithe. So this is part of why remember he went off about the Levites earlier and about how the Levites used to be and how they aren't anymore. Part of it's because this system broke down. Right. And they weren't, they didn't have enough. They didn't have the full tithe in the, in the, uh, the granary to live off of. Right. And, and that sort of thing. So anyway, But I do think that this is abused. This this passage is, is taken is taken somewhat out of context to, to actually draw upon. Uh, well, it's to give us a law, and that's yeah, that's the yeah, problem. Yeah. Anytime it's giving us a law, you, you can't do that. You can't take an Old Testament law and try to force it upon us. Yeah, and it's not that 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 we don't give under the New Testament, oh. but. You, we have a principle of giving in the New Testament that goes right. far exceeds this. Yes, and that's that's one of the things that I've always kind of harped on about this tithing. I don't like the word tithing in no. in modern day churching, right? Because for one, that's not the concept of the New Testament. The concept no. of the New Testament is not ten percent. The concept is in in what is it? First Corinthians eight. He tells he tells the Corinthians, "I wish yeah. that you had the spirit of giving that the Macedonians have." Yeah. And then he explains that the Macedonians didn't even have anything, but right. they were given everything they had. Right. And what did Jesus say about the widow who gave the two mites? Yeah, he was like, "That was her living. She gave everything." Yeah. And so the 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 practice of giving under love mm. far exceeds the 10% thing. That's right. The principle of giving should be, Father, what do you want me to give this week? Yeah. Lord, what do you want? What do you want from me? And do it, you want my entire paycheck? And, okay. And that doesn't go. necessarily mean when the plate is passed in front of you either. No. What happens whenever you pass that guy on the side of the road who right. needs help or or that person? Well, you, I gave it the church. Yeah. What are you going to do? <laughs> You're going to call up the church and say, hey, I found someone you need to help because I already gave it the office. Uh, not, no, that's not the spirit of giving. Nah. So there is still a concept, that, but... I'm like you. I think that this passage is overused to try and guilt people into giving instead of bringing people to a true heart of giving, right? which is what really needs to be happening. Amen. That's right. True heart of everything, man. Okay. Anyways, verse 13. Your words words have been hard against me, says the Lord, but you say, how have we spoken against you? Another rhetorical question. You've said, (laughs) it is in vain to serve God. It is vain to serve God. What is the profit of our keeping his charge or of walking as in mourning before the Lord of hosts? And now we call the arrogant blessed evildoers not only prosper, but they put God to the test and they escape. Okay, so there's something that's going on here in Jerusalem, apparently, where... uh, (laughs) They're having a rough go of it, and this might be the the neighboring tribes are coming in and and beating them to death, or you know putting them out or doing whatever. But there's this apparently there's this self pity going on mm-hmm. where and they're talking bad about God because of it. God's just not with us. I can't right, believe right, He's not right. with us. And God's going, no, no, you're not. You're not with it. me. That's exactly <laughs> right. You're not getting it. Yeah. So I would be with you if you'd be with me. So verse sixteen. 
Then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another. The Lord paid attention and heard them. And a book of remembrance was written before him of those who feared the Lord and esteemed his name. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, in the day when I make up my treasured possession, and I will spare them as a man spares his son who serves him. This is the remnant. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Um, then once more you shall see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between who one who serves God and the one who does not serve him. This is what I think this is what Paul's talking about in Romans uh, in chapter 11. Yeah, chapter 11. 10 11. Yeah, when he talks about the remnant remaining. Mm-hmm. This is what he means. There's going to be a remnant that that was faithful. Right. And and believed God and trusted the Messiah and that they're going to remain. Yeah, so okay, so the last chapter, chapter yes, chapter 4, six verses. is is straightforward. It's 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 more prophetic. Yeah. Um <laughs> stuff, but um it says the Lord of of heaven's armies says the day of judgment is coming, burning like a furnace. On the day, the arrogant and the wicked will be burned up like straw. They will be consumed, roots, branches, and all. But for you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in his wings, and you will go free, leaping with joy like calves let out the pasture. For the day when I act, you will tread upon the wicked as if they were dust under your feet, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Mm. Remember to obey the law of Moses, my servant, all the decrees and regulations that I gave him on Mount Sinai for all of Israel. Look, I am sending you the prophet Elijah. <laughs> okay, once again, John the Baptist. This is a reference to John the Baptist. Look, right. I am sending you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord arrives. His preaching will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers. Otherwise, I will come and strike the land with a curse, mm-hmm. which is a downer to me on how he's ending. The entire Old Testament <laughs> ends right there. And this is I think this is a fitting ending, though. I mean, it's been nothing but ups and downs for these people. The entire Old Testament, yeah, right? Yeah, and it, and it basically ends here with, you know, I'm going to come and strike the land with a curse. Yep. Now... Again, I believe that these prophetic verses are speaking specifically to the destruction of Israel, of, yeah, of, the, the, of the age of, of the Jews. And it, it, whenever you read these these passages here, it just speaks to this. I mean, there's um, he says, I will strike the land with a curse. During that time frame, there is so much that we don't, as a church, don't really know about what happened. Right. That was a huge thing when the Romans destroyed them. And uh, one of the things that that happened was a famine. During all of this, that on top of everything, the most severe famine that had ever struck the land was was there. People were eating leather yeah. and selling leather for food. That's how bad. I mean, this is all written in the works of Josephus, and, and it's like this. It, people were turning to cannibalism. It was. It was craziness uh, that was ensuing, and it's the fulfilling of exactly what he's saying here. You do, you people don't straighten up. You don't listen to my, to my messenger, yeah, <laughs> Malachi. Then this is going to occur to you, and God is, you know, sure with His promises. That's right. <laughs> 
And that's the truth. And, so. and that's not to say that there's not a lot that we can't garner out of Malachi and realize that, you know, the church is a lot like Jerusalem during these days. Oh, there's, there's so many so many parallels. And so mm-hmm. we need to remember that, you know, God, God is sovereign and he demands uh, our, our all. He demands it. Amen. Man, I would not have thought that that four-chapter book would consume an hour of our show. <laughs> Did it consume an hour? Well, you know, we so, went through it, and that was kind of fun. We that, ought to do that more often. Yeah, it was cool. Pretty neat. Anyways, so thanks for the suggestion, and I hope that uh, you were blessed by Malachi like we were. Yeah. Or Malachi. Malachi. So <laughs> you want to do some news? And now the news. Yes, let's do some news. All right, I won't take too much time with this. Let me, you got uh, some good news, though. I do. I have some pretty awesome news. Uh, some bad news, but some good news, too. Um, let's start on some downers, and then we'll go. Uh, jury sentenced Dylan Roof. I don't remember if you remember Dylan Roof. Uh, in 2015, the Charleston Church. Uh, he's a white guy, and he walked into a Charleston Church, oh, yeah, black yeah, church yeah. and shot up a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, the jury sentenced him to death. Um, for the massacre uh, this past week. Um, the sentencing phase was set to determine whether Roof would receive life in prison or be sentenced to death. Roof, a self-professed white supremacist, was convicted on 33 <clears throat> counts related to the crime in December and returned for sentencing by the same jury last week. In a sentencing phase of the trial, he opted to represent himself against the counsel of the presiding judge. Throughout sentencing, he maintained that he was mentally fit to stand trial, called no witnesses, had no evidence, barely used the lawyers to, appointed by the court, and filed motions calling the number of witnesses called by the prosecution unfair. In the closing arguments, uh, Roof told the jury that asking for life in prison instead of the death penalty wouldn't be worth it, saying, I'm not sure uh, what good that would do anyway. So, hmm. yeah, it sounds like it's a very disturbed young man who uh, will be... Well, he being... probably figured if he went to jail, oh yeah, being a white supremacist, right, that's the true. non-white uh, inmates would probably not take too kindly to that. Yeah. Mm. Unless he could find a... You know, a group within the right, <laughs> a white supremacist group within there, which you know, who knows? Yeah. Okay. So uh, we need to be more like pandas. What do you mean, pandas? You know, panda bears—they're they're black, black and white, white and Asian. Oh, that's true. What the, about the name? The, Me- the Mexicans are out of the yeah. They- <laughs> okay. <laughs> wow. All right. Paul Ryan says that Congress will defund Planned Parenthood. Speaker of the House Paul Ryan told reporters at a press conference today that the Republican-controlled Congress is planning to defund Planned Parenthood. The move uh, to eliminate all federal funds going to Planned Parenthood comes as part of the move to repeal major parts of Obamacare. The group received $500 million uh, in federal money from grants and reimbursements through Medicaid. Planned Parenthood provides a variety of uh, necessary reproductive health services to women in hundreds of clinics around the country, but in 2013 alone, they performed more than 327,000 abortions, 3% of their services. Wow. Currently, the Hyde Amendment prevents federal funds from directly going towards abortions, except in cases of rape or if the mother's life is at risk. Last year, President Obama vetoed a similar bill that would have given hundreds of millions of dollars to health clinics that do not perform abortions instead of Planned Parenthood. Hmm. So, uh, 
that things are looking quite grave for Planned Parenthood in the future. And we'll see how that plays out. But I, you I, know, the new administration is probably not going to be no. on board with that. I don't think so either. So it's going to be pretty interesting to see what pans out. So it's good news in that abortions aren't going to be funded. Yep. It's kind of nice. But, uh, you know, bad news for Planned Parenthood. Okay, this is the awesome news I love. Passion students sponsor every compassion child in four countries. Okay, explain that a little bit. Okay, so you know Compassion International. Yes. You go to their concerts, you have the... the yeah, they have the, the sponsor, right. child sponsorship. For, you know, it's like 45 bucks a month, you can sponsor a child. So they got them all sponsored. Is in four countries. Wow. In the largest surge, you know what passion is? The conference. John Piper, Louis Giglio leads it out, but John Piper's spoken at it. I've gone to it. It's awesome. Young adults. Yeah. 18 to 24 <clears throat> is passion. All right. So during that conference, last conference they've had, in the largest surge of sponsorship in Compassion International, 65-year history, 18 to 25-year-olds in the 2017 Passion Conference last week erased the list of children waiting for sponsors wow. in El Salvador, Indonesia, Rwanda, and Tanzania. Wow, go millennials. Then they sponsored 900 more children in Bolivia. <laughs> wow. <laughs> About 14% of the 50,000 conference attendees committed to send $38 a month to provide a child with education, health care, food, and the gospel. That's a movement of God, Jared Brown, Compassion's Director of Collegiate Partnerships, told CT. This is Christian Christianity Today. Right. The response blew past the previous record of sponsorships taken on in a single event, which was 2,000. So... <laughs> That's insane. Wow, that is. They erased the list of children waiting for sponsors in El Salvador, Indonesia, Rwanda, and Tanzania. Wow. Compassion supports more than 1.9 million children in 26 countries um, where local governments no longer allow... Oh, wait. They're struggling to stay in India right now. Remember that 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 uh, news I brought up earlier. So pray for that, that mm-hmm. they stay in India. But th- how awesome is that? that That's that awesome. Of that, movements. And of young people. Of young people. That, that are getting convicted in yeah. this. Yeah. So that should give you a little bit of a heartwarming feeling. It gives me one. All right. Uh, Zechariah 14.9. Oh, another minor prophet. Yes. That doesn't show up often on the list of favorite Bible verses, right? It says the Lord will be king over the whole earth. Uh, uh, on that day there will be one Lord and his name will be the only name. Last year, these words of Zechariah showed up on the top verses of View Version with the most highlight bookmarks and shares in two countries with little else in common. The countries? Can you guess? I'm thinking of press countries. Israel and uh, Afghanistan. Hmm, Afghanistan. So the Muslims yeah. and, the, and wow. the Christians, or the, the the Jews, that was the most important. Of course, well, I'm not going to be a pessimist. Yeah. <laughs> I was just basically going to say, but uh, is the translation the Afghanis are using, use the word Allah? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so this, uh, this um, 
is a favorite Bible verses of the 88 nations for 2016. The number one Bible verse, Romans 8.28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those yeah. who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. I love the verse, but do you know what it means? So <laughs> it doesn't always mean "quote unquote" good things right. are happening. It might be what's good for you, right? Exactly. <laughs> so um, they go country by country. This list on CT, you can check it out. In China, it was Philippians four six through seven. Do not be anxious about yeah, anything. Right, that's a good one. Saudi Arabia, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. Oh, you know what? Uh, I was listening to um, a podcast by um, Owen Pond, and he yeah. and he he is a he works in Bulgaria, and he said that that part of the the issues that they run into is not a lot of missionaries in Bulgaria, but a lot of them that are are these um, yeah. prosperity gospel right. things. So it could be a very similar. Well, Zambina, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, right? Mm hmm. Uh, Zambia, sorry, Zambina. Wow, <laughs> Korea, Philippians four thirteen. I can do all things through Christ. I love that yeah. one. Ecuador, Joshua one nine. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Right. Mm-hmm. Indonesia, Luke twenty four twenty five. Then he opened the mind so they could understand the scriptures. So, anyways, you can go through Jeremiah twenty nine eleven is in a lot of these. Brazil, Kuwait, Kenya. <laughs> Crazy. United States, Romans 8.28. Hmm. South Africa, Jeremiah 29.11. UK, Jeremiah 29.11. Man, everybody loves that Colombia, Jeremiah 29.11. Philippines, Jeremiah 29.11. Canada, Jeremiah 29.11. Argentina, Jeremiah 29.11. I could go down the list. Nigeria, Guatemala. It's like he's talking about the Jewish nation. (laughs) These people... Puerto Rico. I guess there's just a <laughs> lot of supporters of Italy. <laughs> Italy. <laughs> Where the Pope is. Yes. Uh, Japan. Oh my goodness. It, yeah, there's a lot of Jeremiah. Everybody loves elements. that passage. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> That's great. So, anyways, uh, you want to do some uh, Pope? Oh, Pope yeah. Of course. Well, this is from uh, December twelfth, so it's kind of old Pope news. But he celebrated his seven uh, sh- celebrated his eightieth birthday. Wow! Yes, I didn't and, know he was quite that old. In in uh, and in celebration, he uh, ate breakfast with homeless people. That was his celebration. That's cool. He invited homeless people to the Vatican and ate breakfast with them for his eightieth birthday. I Pancakes like with the Pope. Pope. That's right. Pancakes with the Pope. <laughs> It's a popa. <laughs> Anyways, that's all I Have got. Have you heard of the Italian <laughs> prophet of Malachi? Malachi. What is that <laughs> off of? I don't know. That's hilarious. <laughs> the Italian Malachi. Okay. Anyways. <laughs> other than Alabama losing last night. Woohoo. That's all the news oh, I got. Whatever. <laughs> you and your uh, SEC, SEC hatred. Yes, I can't stand them. <laughs> Go Clemson. That's okay. Hey, Longhorns are in the big tune. I agree. Big Big 12, 12, man. Okay, so you ready to get out of here? (sighs) Yes, I'm hungry. (laughs) It's 9 o'clock and I haven't had dinner. I'm hangry. The Theonauts are part of the Great Commission 
Transmission Network. <laughs> oh, calm down. <laughs> Using... Giving me goosebumps. <laughs> In a world of new media and social networking, we go into all the world and proclaim the good news to everyone. To find out more, <laughs> go to gctnetwork.com, subscribe to the newsletter, stay up to date with all our shows, including our boys up in Tennessee, Finding Christ, Christ in Cinema. I can't beat that. Visit our website at theonautspodcast.com for show notes and outlines. Listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or your favorite podcast catcher. And be sure to rate us because that helps us reach a larger audience. There are several ways you can contact us and leave us feedback. Send us email to theonauts at gc... to theonauts at gctnetwork.com or call us on our voicemail line 972 885-7270. 885-7270. Tweet to us on Twitter using at Theonautical. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Theonauts. If you like us and, I want, like us. and want more Theonauts. I want more of us. Drop us a buck or two All at right. patreon.com slash Theonauts. Your patronage helps in our expenses like hosting fees and equipment costs. Don't forget to tune in again and explore the vast reaches of God's word with us. All right, thanks for being here, Jeremiah. Thank you, David. All right, God bless. This has been the Theonauts Podcast. Call us with your questions or comments at 972-885-7270. That's 972-885-7270. We'd love to hear from you. You are tuned in to the GCT Network. This is your great commission. This is your great... Whoops. <laughs> you are tuned in to the GCT Network. That's the first time I've done that. This is your great commission transmission at gctnetwork.com. This is your great commission transmission. Dan, what is your deal? If anybody doesn't know, Dan is the worst. I hadn't played that in a while.